You're listening to Hey guys, welcome back to First of All, a real unfiltered conversation on career, family, relationships, and culture. I'm your host, Minji Chang. I'm an actor and a producer and entrepreneur, and I'm also just a regular human woman here to share inspiring stories and to walk through everyday life with you. We go deep here, and I'm excited for you to tune in for this week's episode, which is episode 141, Healing Generational Trauma with Lillian So. Just a, you know, chill, casual conversation about some of our deep core wounds and how we are dealing with that. (laughs) So I hope you guys are excited to hear from Lillian um, and the conversation she and I have because she is absolutely incredible. We connected um, within these past few months, and I've just been learning so much about her work as an integrator and a facilitator of transformation which is, um, you know, kind of bundled up in in being like a coach and a healer, which is incredible. And she has more than 20 years of industry experience creating psychological safety and doing group facilitation and compassionate communication, which I think everybody, myself included, can benefit a lot from learning and practicing more. Um, and her coaching programs attract an international audience. She works with clients and she works closely with them to transform everyday, um, every aspect of their lives using the five pillars of her method, of the SO method, which is biology, programming, inner compass, communication, and manifesting. And just seriously, guys, the, I know that everyone might be having a different approach to what generational trauma even means or what qualifies as trauma. But in general, you know, we are all human beings experiencing life, and that includes really great experiences and some really painful stuff. So it's um, my understanding and my belief that Everybody has something, an inner wound, a trauma that may have been left unhealed and that it makes an impact and a presence in our life down the line if we don't resolve those things. And that's something that I've been really going through in my life. So meeting Lillian and just getting to know what a down person she is and how um, how much she's been through as a person and how she's put that into her work and helping other people heal. I really connected with her on that. I feel like that's at the core of what I want to do in my life with this podcast, with the stories I want to share. So, um, yeah, if you guys are not necessarily comfortable or used to hearing conversations around this or getting woo-woo or spiritual or whatever, um, we're fully aware of that that vibe and we have been there too. But we want to invite everybody in and welcome everyone to the conversation because, again, it's these labels and stuff are just— they're just labels. At the end of it, we're just trying to figure out how to live happier lives, more fulfilling lives, and how to resolve things from our current state or our past so that we can, you know, bring to life and like actualize parts of our life that make life worth living. And that can mean better physical health, um, more financial stability and abundance, um, better relationships, all of that, you know, being contributing members of society, whatever it is for you. Um, we're just here to be there and talk amongst ourselves and hopefully you can hear something that resonates with you and you can take something good. So yeah, just prefacing the conversation with that and uh, hope that you get something meaningful out of it. That's the whole point. And we're going to share some gnarly stories and things like that from our own past. And hopefully we can um, really reassure the audience and normalize this conversation because there are spaces where it's just not normal. There, there are people out there who feel really, 
resistant to having this kind of talk. And we're aware of that. So all all are welcome is what I'm saying. Thank you, Lillian, for being an amazing guest. And um, I didn't do my usual check-in, but I hope that you all are staying safe and healthy, taking care of your physical, mental, emotional health. Check in with yourself. Um, We're still in the COVID thing. It's great to hear that people are getting vaccinated, but um, let's not go too fast and too far too soon. So stay vigilant, stay safe, and um, yeah, just take care of yourself because I care about you, you know? Also, stay to the end of the episode because each week I am featuring different music from um, amazing artists, friends of mine. So this week I'm bringing back an oldie, not, it's not really that old, but a, a great, great song by my friend Jennifer Chung called IFYIS, which is short, like the acronym for I Forgive You, I'm Sorry. Incredibly beautiful and moving song that Jennifer wrote. So I hope that you'll enjoy that. So stay to the very end. And yeah, in the meantime, enjoy this episode. Episode 141, Healing Generational Trauma with Lillian Sell. Okay, I don't know about you guys and your snack habits, but I'm a very big chip fiend. Okay, if it's salty and it's crunchy, I love it. And there's something about Asian chips and Asian snacks that just hits home in a completely different way. And I'm very excited because Irvin salted chips are now available in the United States. I first had Irvin's, I think about four years ago when my friend gave me a salmon skin chip. Now, when I saw the bag, I was like, oh my God, that is hella Asian. But me being me, I was like, give it to me. That sounds delicious. And I tried it and I found out why their tagline is hashtag dangerously addictive because they are. Um, And now Singapore's number one snack, we don't have to smuggle it from Asia anymore. Like our moms or like my mom, when she has to smuggle in seaweed and anchovy from Korea, whenever she goes there, we don't have to do that anymore. It is available stateside. And they have another flavor called the salted egg chip. And you guys, they use actual real salted duck egg yolks and fresh curry leaves and red pepper. Like this is not powder flavoring. They actually bake all these real ingredients into the chip because they treat these chips like a culinary masterpiece, okay? So what you can do is go to visit eatirvins.com. That's eatirvins.com. And you can use the code potluck to get free shipping on any online order of Irvin salted egg snacks. Enjoy it. It's delicious. Treat yourself because you deserve it. Kathy? Kim? Steve? Where have you been? We haven't seen you for seven years. Has has it been that long? Uh Uh-huh. Oh. Uh, I was on a fishing boat. Training. It's part of the plan. What training? What plan? The, the, the third season of the Korean Drama Podcast! Okay, we're doing this again? Okay, but there's no body switching in this one, right? No! The only thing we're switching is the fact that we're going to watch a good drama this time. From 2020, called Itaewon Class! A story about starting a restaurant and a dish that Koreans love called Revenge. I thought you were going to say kimchi jjigae. I thought you were going to say juke. Those two. Koreans love those two. Listen to the Korean Drama Podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. Part of the Potluck Podcast Collective. How did we get so low? Yeah. 
Tell me now, how did we get so bruised? Tell me now, how could they be so rude? Hello, Miss Lillian. Hello, what up, Ninja? What up? How are you doing? I'm good. You know, it's Friday. I'm chilling. I got a workout in. You know, we're good. We're good. Got your sweat on. I was telling you, like, I was like, I'm trying to get out of a food coma right now. So I'm getting my wits about me. Well, I was going to say, I was going to ask you, so like, what did you eat that like puts you in this lull anyway? I went out on a self-care binge of uh, avocado. I got like a buttload of avocado. And then I was like, oh, you know, like, I don't know, Californians, so I, I got to phase in the ripeness, right? You got to get the ones that are like really not there. So you have them over, <laughs> over a period of time and they all ripened at the same right, time. Right. So I was like, what the? So I had to like make a batch of guac and then I was hella hungry. So I ate a ton all at once and then I Oh my god. So that's how my That's hilarious. You know Okay, like that's hella funny that you just said that because one of my clients, Terry, she sent me this comedy bit like from this Asian American comedian who talks like literally like that was a comedy like bit and it was hilarious and i'm gonna have to find it and send it to you and he's all like it's just it's just so funny i'm like oh my god you literally just did his comedy yeah it was anyways i'm gonna send it to you i'll send it to you (laughs) thank you thank you so much i love it we're sharing links good good stuff what what was your workout today like we're we're literally coming together at uh, opposite ends of the spectrum you're like refreshed from a workout and i'm coming out of a coma what was your workout yeah well, I mean, you know, like we both live in California, like I live in the Bay Area. So it's just like beautiful out. And, you know, I mean, unfortunately, we haven't had rain, which we should be having rain. We haven't had a lot of rain this this winter. Mm-hmm. But uh, we, I got out into the I got out in I don't even know what that area is called. It's kind of like where the it's called Main Parade. It's called Main Parade Ground. It's like where the Presidio okay. kind of meets, you know, uh, it's not Chrissyville, but it's oh, like, beautiful. Yeah, so it's just really gorgeous. There's just like a big giant lawn. So, you know, just did some running around in there with my friend Emma. And we just, you know, just broke a little sweat and just running around, just catching up, partying bullshit while we're <sighs> running laps. That's yeah. a gorgeous Friday. I used to actually, I used to work out over there, just FYI, for all of my first of all listeners. I, I too once used to run to the Presidio area in San Francisco. And it was straight up, I felt like I was in a postcard kind of thing. And I was like, dang, I get to live yeah. here. You know, yeah, I mean, it's it is it is like a glamorous, beautiful, like life paradise. You know, it really is. It's beautiful. Like, I'm so grateful every day. Like, you know, I mean, I'm originally from Chicago and I just don't miss shoveling my car out of the snow. I just don't. And, you know, and I'm just so grateful every day that I'm just like, damn, I mean, whatever. Like everyone's always like, oh, my God, but it's so expensive and you have to pay like four dollars for a chocolate chip cookie. I'm like, it tastes delicious. It's great. I don't care. It's fine. I, 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 lo- I love it's it here. Amazing. It's the best cookie I ever had. <laughs> oh, I love it. I'm glad that you, I, as, as somebody that was like born and raised out there, it, it makes, it warms my heart that people appreciate it so much and have so much love for it. It's, it's like a special, I, I want to, mm. I do love Chicago, but everyone was like, come back in the winter and ask me how you feel about it then. And I was like, oh, okay. Right. Right. Exactly. I know. Chicago's yeah. a great city. It's an it's amazing, beautiful city. The people, oh my gosh, the communities out there. It's so diverse. I just love it so much. And also at the same time, I mean, California is just also just beautiful and just glamorous on so many levels. You know, it's just such a beautiful place and the weather's amazing. 
It's all, it's all, it's all perfect. Just like everyone says it is in many ways. (laughs) All right. We're about to like, well, I mean, do we want to turn the, I know I'm like, we better stop. We're about to start the podcast where Minji starts talking. Pop off about how much she hates California too. (laughs) I mean, there is also that too. There are two sides of the coin. I mean, as much as I'm like, oh my God, it's beautiful. It's a glamorous life. It's freaking paradise. There is a totally other side that I could totally go off on and talk all the shit too. And we don't need to do all that. But yes, like I feel you. <laughs> Spilling the tea. The way that I feel about that, I think a lot of people feel about their hometowns. It's just, it's it's like another part of your family, right? Like you can talk about it and you can re- like hate on it. But if anybody else says, you're like, excuse me, like let me, and you just like, I pull out the briefcase and I suddenly turn into a litigator. I was like, let me tell you why this is the best place on earth. You don't even know. And you can't talk about it like that. <laughs> right. Exactly. Totally. I got the fiery Korean in me. I've been out here for. Oh, yeah. So I call that kimchi fire. Oh, do you? I call that kimchi fire. I've got it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I've got it. I'm full of it. It's it's a, it's a very powerful and scary thing. Um, mm-hmm. So, yes. Potent. I feel you. We, we, we both got that. Yeah. <laughs> Potent. Just fermented. Potent fire. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> Um, so I, I'm, I, I could talk about being an angry Korean and we'll, we'll, I mean, this will be baked into our life experiences because I feel like, you know, as many of our identities, they all, they all like manifest themselves or like they come out in, in every form, right. In our relationships. Mm-hmm. But I'm really curious because like, I've gotten to know you a bit and I'm still getting to, you. it's great to like hear your work, um, like as a healer, you know, and like there's, there's all these different titles and these, uh, different terms that your work is called, but like, how would you describe your work as a healer? Because you're sifting through your own life experience as a kimchi fire woman, uh, from Chicago living out in the Bay. Mm-hmm. Right. And I'm just curious how, how this has come to be that you, you are this healer. Cause I don't know. Every time I'm talking to somebody who refers to them themselves as that, I'm just like so and I'm anticipating like, how are we going to am I going to come out healed further from this conversation? (laughs) So I'm just curious, like what your what your take on like the work that you do is. Yeah, I mean, you know, I do I consider myself a lot of things. Right. I think at the core, at like the very, very essence, like the soul of what I do is that I'm a healer, right? Like the soul essence spirit of the work that I do is ultimately healing work. Like that is who I am. Like I am a healer. Then if you got to get into like labels and like, what, what do you call yourself? Because I think, let me backtrack a little bit. Cause also when you hear the word healer, you know, it sounds a little woo. It sounds fluffy. It sounds kind of totally woo. Yeah. like healer like okay like what are you gonna like rub some crystals on me and take me into your vortex like it just sounds so stupid you know (laughs) so um so you know so I don't I don't like like depending on who I talk to I will use that healer language especially if I feel like oh like I know you see me like I know you get me so I know I can say healer and you can kind of understand that it's not just like this woo vortex crystal sound bath person, you know like like I know that right so like while like I would say the essence the core the soul of what I do is healing work um, I think something that's a little bit maybe easier to digest sometimes is I call myself a transformation coach or a facilitator of transformation Mm -hmm. so it's all things transformation so 
whatever it is that you want to transform in your life, I can help you get there. So if you want to transform your body, holler at me. If you want to transform your mindset, you want to transform your relationships, you want to transform your career, your relationship with money, you want to step into your power, you want to find your purpose, you want to feel fulfilled, whatever it is that you feel like isn't working for you, wherever you're feeling stuck, whatever feels like it's just not, you're not at the level that you feel like you want to be and you know that something is blocked, but you don't know what it is. Like those are the people that come like that. That's what I, that's what I help you with. Those are the people that come to work with me. And so, yes, I help mm. you transform. I'm an excellent coach. I do all the things. But again, the essence of it, the reason why I would say the reason why I'm able to help you transform so many of these things from your body to your money, to your relationships, to your career is because we are doing healing work. And what does that even mean, mm-hmm. right? Like, here we go, like sound baths, like vortex, like what? So when I say- Bring healing, it on. Right? <laughs> so when I say like healing work, to me, it's like, let's heal the parts of us that are still living under this trauma, this limiting belief, these old wounds that tell us to stay small, that tell us to not speak up, that tell us to still hide in the closet scared because mom and dad are fighting for the 11th hour of the day, you know? And Mm -hmm. so, so while I help, while I help you transform all those things, I help you transform all those things because we're getting to the root of the issue which is that you need healing work. Mm-hmm. We need to heal your pains. We need to heal those old stories that you're holding onto that are keeping you in those loops. We need to heal the parts of you that is still feeling scared like you were when you were 12, even though you're 37, like that memory still lives in your mm-hmm. body. It still lives in your mind. It still lives in your heart. So we're going to go and address all those things We're going to unpack that stuff. We're going to take a look at it. We're going to process it so that we can heal those parts of you that feel fragmented, that feel pained, that feel like an open wound that has yet to be closed. And when we heal those wounds, when we heal that old, unnecessary, like parts of you now that you can like move on from that is when the transformation happens. Like that is when your body can now like come into its like full energy and power. That's when you can actually start like feeling clear headed and focused and like capable and ready to like go after the things that you want and start speaking up for yourself and stop dating assholes and start making good money and start asking for the raises and all of that. So Yes. So what do I, I love yes, I am, it. Yeah. So like, yes, I'm a healer, but I won't necessarily always do that front facing as I like to say, it's not necessarily like I can say mm-hmm. that to you. Cause I know you get that. I know, I know that you see me beyond yeah. like what I think maybe mainstream thinks of as a healer. Cause there's lots of ways that you can be a healer. Mm-hmm. Like there are so many ways that you can be a light worker, a healer an intuitive, like all that, like a, a, a medium, a guide, a mentor, to me, it's like no, no different. It's like, yeah. okay, well, you can be a mentor on so many different levels and so many different categories and so many different industries. I feel the same way as being a healer. You can be a healer on so many levels, but I think like right now we're still kind of at the place where maybe we think like a healer is like this, like, Ooh, like this witch doctor, <laughs> you know? So, which is, I, which I'm, which I'm down with the that thing too. Is, 
Yeah, I mean, that's the funny thing is my relationship with certain words has changed so much. I'd say even the last like two years where like before the meaning of it, I mean, straight up, like I grew up super, super Christian, right? Like a Korean church. It was Baptist. It was hardcore, like full submersion. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, you go into that water, you come out a reborn child of God. Right. And um I mean, I, I really appreciate my roots and there's there's things that I've gone through, like certain pains and traumas in the church that I'm still working on healing so that I don't have that residual X, Y, Z. But I, I have this more objective of understanding of like how much that shaped the way I interpreted the word world and words and labels like um, what spirituality even meant. Right. Or what. Um, yeah. What uh, what I I guess what even like kinds of things I would relate to like tarot cards or fortune tellers or even like astrology like how much of those things in my personal view of like the way I was raised it was very much like put in this mystical like demonized like scary black magic kind of thing that is very contradictory Mm -hmm. and very outside of the Holy Spirit and God and things like that and to me the way that I have um, experienced life and gone through a lot of different versions of everything um, since I, you know I don't go mm-hmm. to church but I still believe in God I still believe in universe higher power I believe that there's uh, divine totally. guidance and things like that um, those words have shifted those those meanings and like the things that yeah. used to rep- like repel me or scare me or make me feel some type of like uncomfortable way. It doesn't anymore. And I'm really like curious same. about a lot now. And there's yeah, like, yeah, no, same. Like, I feel you. Like, Go I was it. raised on that too. You know, I was, well, I was going to say, like, I was also raised on that too. Like, I grew up in a very, you know, my mom's a very devout Christian. My grandpa, mm-hmm. my mom's dad is like, I, I joke and say he's like the Billy Graham of Korea. I don't know if he is. He oh, might even be bigger than that. I don't even know. Like, <laughs> the man has like met Obama and says, like, Oh, oh, cause Haram, oh, Yogi Waso, like, oh yeah, that person, yeah, he's been here, like, like zero fucks, you <laughs> My know? <bad. laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so, you know, I grew up like deep, deep, deep in that mix too. And you know, and as I like to say, I was forced to go to church pretty much my whole, you know, uh, childhood. And and it's a thing, you know, like the Korean mm. church culture, like world, like it's a thing. <laughs> <laughs> It is all thing. Mm-hmm. And I got a lot of, I have a lot mm-hmm. of, I have a lot of trauma from my church days, which is a whole nother can of worms. And we can get into that if you want to, but I feel you on that because I was definitely also raised on this belief that like that yoga was even like wrong, you know, that like yoga and tarot cards and astrology, like all that new agey stuff, it was like anti-Christian, you know, and that it was like anti-God or anti-whatever that yeah. was like this, like voodoo witch like demon devil shit you know <laughs> so so it's just funny yeah. it's just yeah 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 it's funny now because i'm into all of that like i got like crystals up in here <laughs> i i got like my tarot deck like right here next to me in front of my big old rose quartz like girl you know, it's just, like you know exactly so it's interesting you know I, and but at the same time i feel like my upbringing inside the church and being around these spiritual practices and this like concept of faith has actually helped me in many ways. Not so much that I'm like, like you said, Mm -hmm. like not so much that I'm like necessarily, you know, going to church and kind of practicing some of the same things that I was doing when I was younger. 
I do feel like though it's helped me really build a strong foundation and understanding of faith and belief in something. And now maybe it might not necessarily be like straight up like Jesus, but now it's like a belief in myself. Now it's a belief Mm -hmm. in something bigger than me. Now it's a belief in my calling, my purpose, my voice, my path, my ability to produce abundance, my ability to make impact on the world, et cetera. So you know, shout out, shout out to, to Love. our, to our upbringings, you know, as traumatizing as it may have been. <laughs> seriously, seriously. I think it, it's, I, uh, we've talked, to, um, the healing stuff. I, I, it's come up in so many different ways in my life. The, the thing that I've been reflecting on a lot, even on like this podcast was just going through a breakup, which, you know, I've been through many breakups, but I think that like the version of me that was going through that breakup most recently was a really significant one because it cracked. I think it was like a final, final frontier in like my inability to tolerate any of my, any more of my own bullshit, if you will. Right. Mm -hmm. Like I had repeated the same cycles and the same like ridiculous mentalities and behaviors and like, you know, toxic relationship dynamics with, you know, another partner. And again, every relationship's unique and different, but also I was kind of realizing that I was operating in this, out of this bad place. Right. And that's why I think this last breakup was so significant for me at the age that I was at the time and, you know, place that we were as a society for me to like, yo, I, this needs to stop. And I think it was the most, one of the most painful. And I've been through some like terrible shit in my life um you know toxic relationships Mm -hmm. there's that significant one from when i was really young that really left its imprint on me and i've had to like think on that and heal about that like since then you know the last like 16 years but but the most recent Mm -hmm. incident in my life was this breakup that like i needed to kind of like really address the inner child trauma all this stuff that I'd kind of like in mm-hmm. in like psychology world and the, these terms that I heard on like radio shows or in, you know, Time magazine and, and Oprah, like it finally really applied to my life. And it was really eye opening for me to suddenly just like kind of like take stock of it and own it. Because before I think I try to operate outside of it, like all oh, this doesn't apply to me. Like I, I'm good and and right. I don't need to do that or, oh, you know. For whatever reason, pride, ego, all that stuff, all that fun stuff. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, like, you know, nobody wants to be like, when you're in that state of being in the triangle, the victim triangle mm. of like being wronged or, you know, when you're in that, like in the victim triangle, which we could talk about if you want, but like when you're in that Ooh. dynamic of dysfunctional relationships and you're inside of this dynamic of, you know, what I call the victim triangle, where you're like, there's always a victim and there's a rescuer and there's a persecutor and you're just like exchanging these roles. When you're in that dynamic, there is no room for someone who's taking radical responsibility. There's no room for someone that's like, I'm going to take a, I'm going to take ownership over this. Like, oh yeah, this is on me. Like, there's no room for that in that dynamic. You know, you're always either like someone's a victim, someone's being a persecutor, someone's like trying to rescue and you're just kind of in that dysfunctional cycle. So yeah, of course, like, you know, when you're (sighs) in it, when you're in it, Ain't nobody trying to be like, mm-hmm. yeah, that's my bad. Like that's that that was shitty of me. Like, yeah, I, I see how I contributed to that. Like, I see how this dysfunctional yeah. thing is happening because of me. Like, ain't nobody trying to admit that when you're deep in the guts of that, <laughs> you know? So I feel you. Seriously. Oh um, my god. 
I need a moment. Like that's, <laughs> it is. Oh yeah. Man. I want to know, can you explain like, yeah, what is this victim trying? Oh, I'm feeling so seen. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can, I can do like a quick little breakdown of that. So I talk about this a lot with my clients. Please. Yeah. And, uh, you know, one of my greatest mentors learned me up and, you know, she blew my mind and changed my life with this, but it's, we grew up in this in the household as well, right? We all play these roles. So when we are in this dysfunctional dynamic, you're always in the triangle, this victim triangle. And in the victim triangle, there are always three roles. There's the victim, there's the rescuer, and there's the persecutor. Victim always sits on the bottom because you're always getting shit on, right? So like the victim is at the bottom and then you have Mm -hmm. like, you know, your rescuer and your persecutor. Okay, so- when you're in this dynamic, somebody's always like wrong, right? Or being wronged, right? Or like, or like, or it's just like a dysfunctional mm-hmm. dynamic, right? So, like, for example, growing up for me, like even inside of my household, it's so clear, right? Like, mom was always the rescuer. Mom was always rescuing mm-hmm. me, the victim, from getting punished by my dad, the persecutor. Right. So my dad would always be angry. Mm. He'd have a bad day at work. He'd come home and he'd like blow up about some stupid shit. And then he'd whoop my ass and then I'd be the victim. And then my mom would come in and then she'd be the rescuer. And then like then it gets complicated because then my mom's trying to get my mom's trying to come in and rescue. Then my dad is now yelling at her because He doesn't want her Mm -hmm. to come in and rescue. So then she becomes the victim. And then my dad's the persecutor. And then my brother comes in. Then my brother's trying to be the rescuer. And it's just like, you're just (laughs) in it. Oh, my God. It's fucking messy. You know? Mm -hmm. And and that's like a family dynamic. That's like such a classic family dynamic. Then there's like even in a romantic relationship. (laughs) Even between two people, right? It's like somebody's always switching up these roles, right? Like somebody you know, got wronged, right? It's like, you know, like, how could you do that to me, right? Now I'm the victim and mm-hmm. you know, you're the persecutor because like you fucked up and like you lied to me and like you did the, you know, like, or, or like, or actually when you're now yelling at someone, you're the persecutor, right? So like now you're the persecutor and you're like, you're like, you know, like you're a fucking asshole and like you fucked up and like, look at all these ways that, you, you know, you're being a shitty boyfriend or you're being a shitty partner and like, look what you did to me. And like, now you're playing yep. a victim and persecutor. And then like the other person is like, you know, trying to, you know, come in and they're trying to like rescue you out of these feelings. And then like, and it's just, it's just like such a hot mess. And then you're just switching off roles. Right. And then like, how many times have you been in that relationship mm. where, you know, the person where your partner is maybe like a victim of maybe a situation and they're like, you know, like in their feels mm-hmm. and they're like, woe is me, right? Like, oh, this shitty thing happened to me. And then you as the partner feel obligated to now rescue them, right? Make them feel better right? Yeah. Because, of your, because of your own codependency, right? You're like, oh, well, you know, like this person feels bad. So like now I have to also like go rescue them out of their misery rather than coming into these healthy dynamics, right? Which is like, instead of being, the victim, you can be someone that's like speaking up for yourself and just being like, hey, can we have a conversation about what happened? Instead of being the persecutor, instead of being the persecutor, you step into the role of like someone that's like holding you accountable. It's like, hey, can we like, like, I need to call this out because that wasn't cool. 
right? Like rather than like persecutor, like you fucked yeah. up your piece of shit, you know, like what the fuck were you thinking? That's very persecutor pointing the finger. Yeah. Like, we, can, we can step out of that triangle yeah. and you can still hold somebody accountable without being a persecutor. And you can still ask mm-hmm. for what you can still ask for what you need and talk about your feelings and ask to be held and seen without being a victim. And you can still mm. hold space for someone and support someone and help someone out without being a rescuer. But mm-hmm. we don't do that. But we don't do that. We just get sucked right in. And then all of a sudden we're like, oh, my God, we got to, like, rescue this person. Or, like, oh, we got to, like, cause a fight and, like, point fingers at yeah. each other. And then, like, oh, we got to, like, boohoo in the corner about, like, how you're the one that's just being shit on and nobody understands you. And it's just, oh, man, it's just such a trap. And it feels so good because you just feel so justified in whatever role it is that you're playing when you're in that triangle, you know? I was going to say, like, the the crazy thing is that the the insidious underlying, like, yucky underbelly of all of that toxicity or, the you know, this very common word that's used now, everything's toxic, everything's toxic. I was saying, like, that word kind of, it, it gets under my skin a bit because it's so overused, but it, it's also accurate, so I can't hate on it. But it's that toxic side of it is that it, it gets, it's very... um it's all it's all consuming it's very like you get so i i have recognized my ability to get so self-righteous in a lot of situations and it's very satisfying to uh uh, i think uh over like an overzealous ego that i've been i've been actively working on the healing and stuff to just like check it right like ego is not in and of itself terrible but one that's like running amok and like doing whatever the fuck it wants without any sort of accountability is is dangerous right um and girl i work in hollywood like there's a lot of that everywhere here and i was just seeing like (laughs) The level of satisfaction that I would get out of being right all the time or 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 making oh, yeah. somebody else feel bad for hurting me, but I was then in hurting them, but I felt mm-hmm. justified in doing so. Look, you just hit the head the nail on the head so hard. It, it's it's so but because you believe that you are right to have these feelings and so justified to act on them in a punishing kind of way, in a persecutory way, it's yeah it's it just never stops because like it's a cycle yeah. right like you just it, you're it right. keeps tumbling yeah 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 because you're like you're so right like whatever role you're playing it just like feels like it's the right thing to do like this is what you have to do like this person needs me i have to rescue them they can't yeah. do it without me or or like no you deserve to be punished right now and i'm going to persecute you like i am right like you fucked up you are a fuck up and you deserve me to berate on you or when you're a victim it's like no like i've been wronged you don't understand like i've mm-hmm. been wronged i have been wronged i'm like so <laughs> right in my being wrongedness <laughs> serious it's, it's oh. so intense it's so intense you know <laughs> Welcome to the Korean women uh, powwow (laughs) to talk about all of the. It's just like here's my thing that I say that I. Yeah, it is. I just said it's all gas, no brakes. Yeah. Yeah, it is, and and the thing is that what I'll say is a silver lining to give give, to give compassion on, on myself and to you also because there's something about being so familiar with that rage and that that anger. The thing that I appreciate about it is when I see it in others. 
and I can, and I've, you know, historically have been better at, at practicing compassion on others more so than myself. But when I see it in others, um, the thing, the silver lining about it is that I was able, to, I've been able to make space for that for other people because I recognize it so thoroughly. Like I know it, I understand it. Um, that's a silver lining. And so that's what right. I think it's actually just very kind of, you know, appropriate and poetic and beautiful that, and in, in the line that you are able to help other people heal like you and your work. And I, I, I consider myself the work that I want to do. My intention is to help people heal too, is coming from a place of like relatability, yeah. compassion, like girl on and or boy, whoever, like, yo, I understand, like, I get it. And it's all a mess. Exactly. I'm a hot, I've been yeah. a hot mess. I still am in a lot of ways. Like I'm right there with you. And that I think is very, very powerful in the ability to heal because when you're coming from a place of like not understanding Absolutely. it and just kind of being prescriptive or judgy mm-hmm. or like whatever, it's hard for that, that to click mm-hmm. and that to understand. Cause you're just like, what do you even know about my pain or my anger? Right. Um, exactly. so I just think that it's really you know, great. That's why I don't, I, yeah, no, that, that's why I don't like guru. I don't like guru culture. That's why I don't like guru mm. culture. And you know, like, or this like idea that like, somebody's got it all figured out and like this motivational speakers never had a bad day in their life. And like, they're just like always firing on all cylinders and everything's always popping. You know, I always try to keep it super 100 with my clients. And it's like, yo, listen, like the reason why I'm so good at what I do and the reason why I'm so good at being able to help, help you with your shit is because I am that (laughs) like I have seen it. (laughs) I have lived it. I have like made so many call it quote unquote mistakes if you want to, which I don't think that they're mistakes. I think that they were all necessary rites of passage that got me to the understanding that I have now that is now given me the tools and the awareness and the wherewithal to be able to help my own clients go through their stuff as well. But yeah, I'm all about that. Mm -hmm. I'm like, no, like I know what this is because I was that like I know what this behavior is because I used to live in that mentality like it's so close to me I can still taste what it was like when I was in that like mindset or like in that scarcity or like in that victim mode or whatever so I I try to keep it super 100 of like yes like I can sniff all that out and help my clients out so well because (laughs) I've like lived through it myself as well because you know I'm not I'm not on some like guru shit of like oh yeah like i'm i've never i never struggle with these things it's like no man like i've got all of those demons and this is why i understand so i feel you on that seriously good i'm glad and i think um the thing that i i'm really appreciating now whereas uh kind of the former version of me would kind of fall for things a little bit more easily I really, you know, there was a time where I was really falling for that, that guru type. Um, Mm -hmm. And it wasn't even a conscious choice. And I I don't want to berate anybody who's, who's on that, that part or like, I think it's personally, I think that it's amazing if somebody's kind of seeking answers. I think that in and of itself is really admirable. I think it's, it, it is not a linear path. It's, it's, it's a journey as they say, because it is. And, mm-hmm. um, there's no finite destination. I mean, unless you become like the Buddha and like you, you good, like nothing ever bothers you. <laughs> like we're all just on different levels of enlightenment, if you will call it. But I think the, if you're seeking, I think that that's, that's For really sure. dope. And, um, I don't want to knock anybody, but like the, the things that I notice about the guru culture and kind of like, it kind of goes in hand in hand with like the toxic positive positivity thing is that 
it kind of yes. essentially to me yes. was like communicating like, oh, you know, if you're going through pain at any point after you've been like woken up or whatever, you're doing it wrong. You know what I mean? And I just don't, I, I, I think that right. that's a little bit absurd to, to suggest mm-hmm. um, to any, any human like life, not to be morose or like shitty about it. It's just life is full of suffering. Like eventually, for example, like I'm going to lose people that I love. That's part of life is that there's death. And like um, I can't control everything that's happening around me. There's going to be continuous transformation of all kinds of different things and people. Um, The climate's still an issue. We got to like there's not going to be a shortage of bad things to deal with. So it's not like your life's going to be like sunshine roses and like you're you're wearing like a crown of daisies every day. It's not like that. So, yeah. No, not yeah. even. And, you know, th- this this one's for my clients, you know, if they end up listening to this too, like they know, like we talk about this all the time. Like, you know, a lot of times they will say like, oh my God, like, you know, we're working through all these things and I'm processing this stuff and I'm just like feeling so overwhelmed. And I, and, and like, and, and in a sense, what they're saying is like, I don't know if I'm doing this right because I feel overwhelmed because I'm having a mm-hmm. hard time. And mm-hmm. usually my response will literally be, Yo, that's why those spiritual awakening memes exist. Like, we all think that, like, once we kind of have this, like, you know, moment of, like, awakening and we start to see the light and, like, we, you know, start to do the work that that the suffering or the struggling or the whatever and is, is gone. And it's like, no, as a matter of fact, I think you just become more aware of it. <laughs> And you become more sensitive to it. And if anything, it's like, nah, man, here's the thing. Like those shitty thoughts, those shitty feelings, they've always been there. You just now are way more heightened to them. You've just been overriding and Mm -hmm. ignoring and just driving over them for the last 20, 30, 40 years of your life. And now you just actually like recognize them all the time. So it's not that like you're doing it wrong. You're actually doing it right because you recognize things that maybe you didn't recognize before. And like, and like, just because you start doing the work doesn't mean you don't have bad days anymore. Like that's just like, you're always going to, you know, have good and bad days, no matter where you are in life. (laughs) So, yeah. seriously yep well yeah this is our way of uplifting everybody is like keeping it real with you it's gonna be hard but and i think um there's been a lot of people around me that have been much more open with their path and their their um self-recognizing of their behaviors and their traumas and that's been honestly i mean it's we've become safe spaces for each other to be able to talk about that because like you said earlier like we get it and you you know that somebody can kind of hear that and not Mm not be kind of turned off and be like, Oh, like generational yeah. drama, like uh, this is a little bit deep for me. And so right. it's it's important, I think, to find people who can, and, or like a coach or whatever, you know, whoever can see you and not, not um, kind of counteract the work that you're doing because it is important. Yeah. And I think that generational trauma thing, just when you're painting that picture about the triangle and the family thing, that hit something deep and it's something that's been really on my mind, you know, not only just because of everything that's been happening with, um, with COVID and isolation and where I'm at is at in my age and stuff. But I mean, partially because of COVID, like people are talking about it so much more openly for a lot of different reasons, but including the, all the violence that the Asian community has been going through, which I like, mm-hmm. part of me is like, devastated and heartbroken and sick and the other part of me is like yo this has been going on for like generations like this is nothing new this is nothing it's just more Mm -hmm. in terms of data points and more awareness but this has been happening and this is pain that 
you know, a lot of different people have been suffering in silence um, for a long time prior to now, but now people are vocalizing it. I think there's a lot of things kind of merging together to make me even more introspective of like what, what a number my family dynamic did on me and how I look at my parents, Mm -hmm. how I look at your parents and all of us with Mm -hmm. a little bit more clarity and honestly, a little bit more Mm -hmm. empathy and compassion because before I had like, I was wounded. So I would just like have bitterness and be like, not even like, even if I wasn't bitter, I'd just be sad. Yeah. I'd just be sad and I I, I, feel heavy, but now it's more just like, yo, this comes from someplace. Let's understand that you know, in terms yeah, of this generational trauma exactly. paradigm. Um, how is no like space ha- for, it, you know, what you're, yeah, I think there's, sorry, I think there's a lag. Yeah. I think, <laughs> I think there's a lag, but yeah, that's what I was saying. It's like, there's just more space for it now. Right. And when there's mm-hmm. more space, there's more room for understanding. There's more room for compassion. There's more room for dialogue versus just clenching and just like, just going right into like the story or like the narrative or like the pain or like the victim mentality. It's like, there's a little bit more breathing room. So like there's more room for that conversation basically. Yeah. Have you been able to like talk directly with your own family with this? Cause I've been working on it. I've been kind of like having incremental conversations to not overwhelm my family, to be aware of like where they are at and where they might, you know, kind of, steer away from me if I if I go to because yeah I'm just learning a lot more about my 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 parents and my family as like humans and not necessarily like as my family as my appendage Mm -hmm. you know just more like they're Mm -hmm. their own individuals and trying to approach them that way do you have those conversations have you been able to those -hmm. things that you've mentioned earlier yeah so like a a few like highlights that I can think of like right out the gate like I remember there was like it's probably been a minute now. It's probably been several years now, actually, as a matter of fact. But um, this one time I went home for the holidays because, you know, my, my parents live in Chicago. My brother's out there, too, and I'm in California. I went home for the holidays one year and and I was just really, really just trying to, like, be, like, in the work, right? Like, not getting triggered, like, trying to, like, really just see my dad as a human And like, not like you said, like as an extension of my story and this like character that's constantly trying to like ruin my life. Right. (laughs) And, um, and I was, and I I just remember like this one trip home, like I was just really trying to like, just show up like in like my like highest vibration as possible. And towards the end of that trip, my dad actually said to me, he said, Lily, he's like, I, he's like, I'm, I'm proud of you. He's, he was like, he's like, thank you. He was like, thank you for being a better person <gasps> than me. Oh. And I was like, say oh. what? and that's like shocking because my dad is like, he, he crazy. Like my dad is like a Korean, hardcore, <laughs> angry, like, like K-drama dad. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like, and he was just like, yeah. just like, and he was legit. Like, just thank you. He was like, you know, he's like, you're a better person than me. He's like, I, I see you really trying. He's like, I see wow. He's like, he's like, you know what? He's like, I'm an old man. He's like, I can't change. He's like, I can't change. And I just, and I I don't think I'll ever change. He's like, but I really see you like really trying and, you know, you're a better person than me. Like, thank you. So that was one of like the earliest like memories of us like doing the work. And and that was amazing. And I was like, oh, wow. Like, okay. Like you see me, dad, like that's what's up. And that was amazing. And then, and then fast forward a little bit. 
Um, my dad was going through, uh, he was like, he was like recovering for, from some kind of like heart procedure or whatever. And I f- remember us having like some kind of conversation about like him taking care of himself and like, and I was like, you got to take care of yourself because X, Y, and Z. And I was like trying to explain to him like more holistically, like how his thoughts affects his mood and that affects his like energy and how it affects his body. <sighs> Like trying to instill like yeah. some knowledge of like, you know, because by the way, like my parents have no idea what I do for a living. They just know that like I'm not in jail and like on the streets. Right. So like they have no idea. <laughs> right. Anyways. <laughs> so um, I get it. Yeah, exactly. So I remember we were I was somehow actually able to like take it there and I was able to have this like opening this conversation with my dad to help him see how his own trauma of his dad and how his dad bankrupted their family and then how Mm. his mom died early and then his parents and like how some of his own traumas that happened before he was even like 20 something is probably creating Mm -hmm. these these stories and these responses and these fears and whatever. And he was really open to it. And then he, he was like, Oh, Lily. He's like, so this is what you do, huh? Is this like, is this like a, like a, like, like you, you like, 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 like you like a psychologist or something like that. And I was like, yeah, something like that. (laughs) I love it. It's like a little aha moment. Yeah. And he like got it, you know, and I was like, you know what, that's what's up. Like, that's dope. So, you know, we have had a couple conversations like that, like slowly over time, you know, here and there. And I think the reason why we've even made as much progress as we have, and it's not perfect. I mean, we still, you know, I relapse as I like to call it, you know, I relapse, I go home sometimes and we end up having a blow up and then like, you know, we make a little progress. We take a couple steps back. We take a couple steps forward. Like, you know, the path is not linear, like you said. Yeah. But I will say that if I had to like choose, like what's the one thing that has helped move the needle around just healing in general, my shit with my dad and my parents, Mm -hmm. I would, I would say it's me just showing up in my new identity. It's me just showing up as Mm. the person that sees my dad as his own scared, traumatized adult self trying to just navigate life without the same tools, knowledge, and healing that I've had the privilege to give myself, right? Like, he has no idea. Like, he has no fucking idea. Like, my dad is just reacting to everything that's happened in his life, his whole life. And... (sighs) And he didn't do a lot of things, quote unquote, right. And also at the same time, it's like, at a certain point, it's like, you just got to understand, like, like, how is he supposed to know? Like, he don't know better. Like, he just went through what he do. He's just trying to do his best. He's just reacting to what he knows. No one ever told him about, you know, like limiting beliefs and emotional memories. Exactly. You know, and like, and like trauma, generational trauma. And like, you know, he don't know about that stuff. Like, you know, and, 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 you know, having those conversations is, is going to be, you know, it's, it's, it's not that easy. So I just try to do my best to show up as the person that is doing the work and 
I don't actually try to necessarily teach my parents so much. Yeah. You know, I try not to, like, I mean, every now and again, I do. And here's the thing. Whenever I do try to teach and try to have these conversations, I end up getting sucked into now self-righteous mode. You need to do this and you need to be doing that. And you see, like, I know these things and you need to know these things too. And that's why you're all fucked up. (laughs) And that's just not helpful. You know, it's like, damn, that's just not going to work. I'm just over here raising my hands because I'm like, yeah, seriously. I love (laughs) that you said, I mean, that's such an, I think a really key thing, um, a key component to, in my opinion, like, healing effectively if you will on a practical level like you really want to get it done like really clear it out i think it that ego check of like how much you're getting uh, into that self-righteous mode and and because i respond very badly to that it's all it's like it's a mix of like noticing how people react when i act that way and the way i react when other people act that way and having been around a lot of korean Mm -hmm. people i get that you know a lot and i don't like it when people get really prescriptive and like telling that's why i have a issue with that word should when people start throwing like Mm -hmm. you know unidentified weight around i'm like says who man like bro who are you like who are you telling me to tell me what i should or should not do you can suggest and recommend things all the time and share things that you you have successfully or wonderfully experienced i would love to know that but don't don't go telling me I think it's just being like Asian woman. I don't know. I've been spending my whole life people telling me should, should, should. You should yeah. do this. You should do that. You should wear this. You shouldn't say that. <laughs> you shouldn't talk like this. You shouldn't show up like yep. that. Don't do not do your eyes like that. Like, fuck you. Who are you? <laughs> and yep. I think totally. when we when we go into the healing, the healing side of it, both for myself and, and then when I interact with my parents, um, it's I, I don't want to I have an objective awareness that, like you said, I have more things that I've had at my disposal. That's a privilege that I have being this generation and growing up in America and all this, you know, just regular yeah. passage of time that they don't know. So that is mm-hmm. not um my, yeah. uh, you know, not even like my responsibility. I'm looking at it genuinely like I love them and I want them to have a good life as much as possible. So I will do my best to continue to. Yeah to share things that I think could help them, but not really lately, honestly, in the last year, not act like I know everything and that they don't. I really want to approach it with like conscious intention of, I want to share these things with my mom and dad that I'm learning that are helping me and suggest it to them with the possibility that it could really help them. And if they, they at that moment decide that it's not accept that um but it's a it's a it's a work in progress because sometimes i hear them fight back at me with like in my opinion nonsensical excuses and like just brushing things <laughs> off and saying stuff like i'm too old and my dad's a very smart dude but I, I call him on his bullshit all the time and i feel like that's my ability to do so because i'm his daughter and nobody can talk to him the way that i can right so of I think course. it's really great yeah, that totally. you you have that awareness and that you you take that in stride because mm-hmm. um, you're you're there because it's out of love. It's truly out of love, and that's not going to come out of like educating them and telling them you're like, oh, you this and you that. But it's easy to fall there. <laughs> yeah. And, oh yeah, for sure. And and I think I'll just kind of add one last thing, which is the thing that has helped me the most to kind of hold myself back from getting sucked into that usual dynamic of the triangle 
right? Like all of a sudden becoming the persecutor and the rescuer at the whole time, at the same time, right? Which is like, oh my God, I have to like rescue my parents from the things that they don't know by persecuting them into what they should know, <laughs> right? So what mm-hmm. I usually, um, what I usually really try to like pay attention to is simply sensation, like physical and emotional, energetic sensation. So I started my career in fitness. So I'm all about like the body and body awareness. And that's kind of my, that was my first entry point into helping people get in touch with themselves and transform themselves. Right. It was like through the literal physical meat soup body of fitness and whatnot. And so so for me, as I started yeah. integrating these other layers of like emotional awareness and spiritual awareness and all this stuff, it's, I, you know, the physical body, the physical vessel is a thing that we live in. And it's a thing that's constantly responding and reacting to all the stimuli around us. So I always try yeah. to get super, super sensitive to like sensation, right? So it's like, when my dad starts to get into his like thing, which is like really like triggering, there's a sensation there, right? Like I feel the, I feel it. Like my, my guts start to like, it's like a volcano. It's, it feels like an internal eruption. Yeah. Like I can feel the fire in my gut ascending into my chest and then eventually wanting to explode out of my mouth through my words. And when mm-hmm. I feel mm-hmm. that, I have to just literally say, okay, Lil, this is that. You're being triggered right now. This is you just going into that old thing. You know what this old thing is because we've done that work. We know what this is. We know what story you're attaching to. Like, let's just, let's just breathe a few. It's okay. And then I just try to just dissolve Mm -hmm. that sensation because if I don't, and if I ignore that sensation, I'll get tangled up in it like a fucking tornado and just, (laughs) just, and just and just whip right into it. It's like a slingshot, you know. It's like I just oh here I go. Yeah. There goes that feeling. Yeah. There's that sensation. I'm just gonna whirl right into it and just blah, just fucking explode. And so I just try to be really sensitive. Yeah, it's like you got to get in touch with like that sensation, like that. Like you can feel it in your body. It always your body always signals. Yep. You just got to get hyper aware of that, you know. Yeah. It's oh, I love that you that it's so funny that you say you feel like a volcano. My body feels like it's like a, a nuclear, not even like a nuclear bomb. It feels like it's like, you know, like you see it. Maybe it's kind of like lava. It's like something glowing. Like I can feel the energy like radiating out of my body. And mm. I feel and what I'm realizing now, because I'm like the bio geek, I was realizing I think it's all the adrenaline. It's a yep. very instantaneous yep. reaction of adrenaline just rushes through my body. Yep. And like, I, I feel like I need to break something, hit something, yell. And, and, mm. you know, there's a lot of people in my life that get the best version of me, which is I'm a pretty joyful, happy, you know, uh, pleasant person a lot but and they're they're like but I can tell you have it in you and there but they've never experienced it and the the (laughs) people that have it's like it's it's scary it's it's frightening when you get into that because it feels Mm -hmm. so out of control right so I think it's great that you 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 are have that awareness and that we're able to talk about it here because I I do care about other people being able to work through that because damn dude that's that's when I get it I get scared of myself I get scared of like what destructive thing I can now enter because Mm -hmm. again that part of me unchecked is like the Hulk I cannot (laughs) describe it it's like the Hulk it's like all of a sudden it just takes over (laughs) I mean like we have we we have like there's a whole Wikipedia page on that right the Han (laughs) 
Uh-huh. There's a whole Wikipedia. There's a whole Wikipedia page on that, like Bahan, and it's like, and I didn't even know about it. I was like, oh, I didn't even know that there was a Wikipedia page for that. That there was a term called Bahan. I'm like, I've just always called it kimchi fire, and it's exactly <laughs> that. It's like, oof, yeah, like we got that. It's 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 generational, all right. It's ancestral, all right. <laughs> That's what, and okay, I was like learning about this uh, a few years ago when I was reading some article about how they're they're now recognizing genetically how trauma is passed on in in, in some forms in your genes. Like you, you know, I, mm-hmm. I recognized when I was learning about my grandma escaping North Korea, which I didn't know that till I was like twenty eight years old. Like I didn't know her story about like how she almost died a bunch of times and like you know these these family secrets mm-hmm. and um why why she she is the way that she is and it helped me humanize her it helped me like have more compassion to her because before she just would, like freak out over yeah. the most innocuous things I'd be like yo why are you screaming right now mm-hmm. and it would just be this this yeah. irritant in my life and then more learning her story and understanding that and having some like space to like look at it more objectively of like yo if some anybody went through that then it's my grandmother but if any human went through what she went through they would not come out of that okay they mm-hmm. would come out of that traumatized they would come out with yeah. a little bit of anxiety yeah. and a little bit of like triggering from xyz yeah. place you know exactly. who wouldn't well and this is also why like you know especially in asian cultures there's so many family secrets because there's so much shame. We're so driven by yeah. shame. Oh my God, we're opening all kinds of cans of worms. I know we got to wrap this up soon, but like, no, you know, I mean, go for it, please. Thing, right? like, I mean, this is the whole thing about, I talk about this with my clients all the time. I'm like, this is why sharing your story sets you free. Like mm-hmm. you got to share your stories and we need to share our stories and our families need to share their stories with us too, because it sets us free. Just like you said, you said once you learned your grandma's story, it basically sets you free from your own constant chronic irritation of her like always freaking out. It's like you were able to set yourself free of like, okay, like I understand why this woman is the way that she is just a little bit more because now I understand her story. Like there's so much healing power in story mm-hmm. and you know, and it's it's just too bad that there's so yeah. many family secrets in our culture. There's so many family secrets and not just Asian culture and all kinds of cultures. But it's just, you know, it's it, yeah. I'm so big on that. And I'm just constantly like pushing my clients like, yo, you need to share your story. You need to share your story because this is what's going to set you free. This is what's going to heal you. This is what's going to heal like your lineage and everything else that comes after you. Like, it's just so important. So I love that you brought mm-hmm. that up because I'm sure that was incredible. Even for me, too. Like once I learned my dad's story about how his grand, how his dad, you know, bankrupted and did this whole thing and this whole scandalous thing. I'm like, oh, that's why you're so fucking anxious and so obsessed with money like i get it now okay yeah yep (laughs) and even that can take time because like the funny thing i'll say i'll share a little thing about my dad my dad is that he like i've known about his story for a very long time and it's it's been like an understood thing about all the different ways that he suffered from as as a young kid and I knew these things and it was, but in the way that you, like when you brought up that family dynamic of the victim persecutor and uh, the rescuer with my, my upbringing, the way that I was learning to be a human and becoming an adult, I didn't have the capacity to kind of really know how to deal with that. It's just something I knew about my dad. And I'll say this, like 
my my tendency to want to be a rescuer in my family for all my family members came from a place of love. And it was like we we went through mm-hmm. a lot of different cycles of pain. Still do a lot now. You know, we have our 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 grown-up versions of this, but I I didn't I didn't have the ability because I didn't have the context and the experience under my own belt to understand this is how hard it is right. to like have a healthy relationship with like, oh, you think you fall in love, you get married, you have babies and like, it's all great. No, when you get into an intimate relationship with someone, they get access to parts of you that you aren't sharing with anybody else. And like, they're kind of like exposing like your deep, dark insecurities and your jealousy issues and like your, your intimacy issues and your, you know, why don't you text me enough and all this other stuff. And you're kind of connecting a lot of dots along the way, you know, we're we're all learning. So, you know, even if you do understand if somebody listening is like, yo, I do understand my dad's story, but he's still a dick. Like I've, I have felt that too, because even knowing his story pretty much my entire life, a lot of it contextualized and became, I had more space to be compassionate and wiser about the way I dealt with him, the more I went through life, you know what I mean? So I think having like relationships under my belt, dealing with my own shit, trying to make a dollar and pay for a roof over my head and imagining Mm. that strife that he went through in a foreign country, like truly like really putting myself in his shoes and giving him more credit for that, which I think I kind of partially gave him credit, but partially withheld and be like, you chose it. You came here. Like, why am I supposed to like, you know, and then, and and hearing stories from other other men. Yeah, like the the how how painful yep. I've I've witnessed like Asian men being emasculated and like I always just hated on his ego mm. and this machismo patriarchal bullshit which is real like that that stuff's very real I think around the globe um it's just mm-hmm. a lot and so I think like really now I say better late than never and so and if anybody's sitting there like feeling like man I I knew about this and like it's just it's impossible I can't do it there's a lot of reasons why you feel like you can't do it, but I, I'm a firm believer in everybody's changing every day, including your parent, including the person that's like toxic in your life. There may be a way, there may not be, and that might just be something you just, you know, like let go. But I've I've made huge strides with right. my dad that I really didn't know was possible. And I think it took both of us to kind of go along that path of living life and gaining perspective and wisdom and maturity. But man, that that was like, it was some tough times and we still have our bumps now, but I'm glad that I have the space now to better understand his story and like apply that in a loving way. Because before I would like knew his story, mm-hmm. but I'd still just either try to rescue him, which came from like a rest, like came from that self-righteous place and not from a place of love. Yep. yep. <sighs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, yeah, I feel you. I mean, like, that's the thing like yeah exactly like you were saying like i mean just because i understand my dad's story doesn't mean like he like he's still that he still be acting up and he fucking crazy sometimes you know and like just just a couple weeks ago he was on one and he was blowing up my phone and my brother my brother was giving me the the heads up and text message he's like yo just so you know like this is what's happening and like they're trying to get us to do this and i was like cool thanks for the heads up my dad was blowing up my phone in, in the way that he does when he gets on one i didn't answer him I didn't answer a single phone call. And then he eventually stopped calling and they figured it out. They fucking figured it out. But here's the thing. Old me 
would have gotten all wrapped up in that energy. I would have answered. We would have been screaming at it. And this shit was happening at 7.30 in the morning, by the way, because he's in Chicago, right? So he's two hours ahead of me. So they're blowing up my phone at 7.30 in the morning. And my brother's text messaging him and said, like, yo, just so you know, like, da, 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 this is what's happening. And I'm like, oh, hell no, I'm not answering that shit, you know? And then I ignored, like, four missed calls in a row. And then about an hour later, my brother was like, yeah, they figured it out, da, 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 da. And I was like, I fucking knew it. See, but old me would have been like caught up. I would have answered the phone. I would have gotten into a whole fight. They would have ruined my fucking morning. I would have like shelled out like a couple hundred bucks to do whatever the hell they needed me to do. That was a fucking crisis at that moment when they were in a crisis that was no longer a crisis an hour later, you know? (laughs) So it's true. So, I mean, (laughs) yeah, it's like, you know, yes, I can understand. And also at the same time, like, yes, I understand. And it gives me more compassion. And when I see him doing his crazy, I got to do what I got to do to also protect myself from not getting sucked into that shit because that shit is crazy. (laughs) Yes. Oh, preach. This is, yeah. And I think this is the part of the, like, the healing, the generational trauma thing that's also, the healing also leads and maybe is you know, coming from the self-love stuff and, and the self-love stuff is so, again, that, that's another term that's like a really big deal. And I love that it's a big deal and people talk about it so much more openly. But I think when we, at least for me, when I'm trying to think through it, feel through it and like identify, well, what does that self-love look like? Doing the inner Mm -hmm. child work stuff that I did was really opening me to the protection, like the safety and the protecting myself thing. That that's what my, um, one of the big conclusions I, I, uh, epiphanies I had, whatever you want to call it, was like, I need to protect myself more. That's the way I can love. And I will love my family, but not when it's at the cost of my sanity. (laughs) It's at my expense. I cannot, like, it will just make me so much more resentful and like I will have such a shorter temper and that's the stuff that I was like I can't sit there again on like uh, the victim like blaming them I have to like acknowledge that and be like yep hey I can't talk right now like I'm in the middle of the work and we used to have like no boundaries like we would call each other bring up all kinds of like real and anything related to my family is big is a big deal to me there's no such thing as like a small deal when it comes to them right so like i had to <laughs> right, learn right. i had to be like yo during these hours like i'm on like i have to i'm talking with clients i am recording podcasts i yeah. am not available to have a mm-hmm. meltdown at 1 p.m i cannot do it and yep. like according word. to the data word this is a pattern exactly. of ours That you bring something to me and like, you know, six times out of 10, it ends up in like a fight or I'm like upset about something. So I can't do that. And that's something I had to like strategize in my own head. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There There was this one time my mom called me and I was trying to be polite. I answered the phone and I was like, hey, mom, what's going on? I have 10 minutes. I was trying to be polite. I was like, hey, mom, what's going on? Because I didn't want to ignore her call, right? So I'm like, all right, boundaries, right? Like set the expectations. I answered the call. I answered the phone and I was like, oh, what's going on? I have 10 minutes. What's up? She got fucking pissed that I said that I only had 10 minutes and she made a whole thing and she told my brother and she was like, I can't believe she just said that. She doesn't love me. And she, and then she, and then she went on a fucking side tangent about how I'm never going to have kids. And like, Oh my goodness. Because I, because I told her I only had 10 minutes. <laughs> I cannot. Well, as long as you're spilling tea, I've gotten in fights about that too. I was like, I literally, I've cried on the phone with family members because I was like, 
I just said I have five more minutes to talk and you take liberties <laughs> to keep talking like I have another hour and I don't and I'm crying now. Why am I crying? Like, <laughs> it is a lot, you guys. And, uh, I just I, I feel for anybody. And I, here's the thing. Those things are deeply personal. And I'm not and like this is where I got so nervous about even hosting this podcast because I gave I was out of consideration. I told my family. Because I've had to, I've lied so much to my family. You don't even know. I have lied so thoroughly and for so long that now I have a really hard time lying because it's just like this. I It, it was its All own right. little trauma that I think it's a good thing. I came out of that. Like, I can't lie. I just got to own up to my shit and be truthful. So I don't right, want right. to throw them under the bus. And I told them, yo, I'm like hosting this podcast or I'm writing this TV show or whatever. And it's based on our family or I may talk about that. <laughs> Because I don't want them to like be blindsided, but I did have a lot of hesitation because these are like, you know, family secrets that you and I and a lot of people have been programmed for, for, I I say fair reasons, Mm -hmm. you know, to, to keep to ourselves and to keep private. And they're not something that you air out. And there's part of me that had so much guilt about sharing stories about my family because I did not Mm -hmm. want to make them look bad. I did not want anybody, you know, people at church who like respect and revere my parents for a lot of totally valid reasons to know like the ugly side of them. But I was like, there's damage that comes at a cost. So I'm not saying like everybody go like air out your dirty laundry everywhere. You know, I, I, I am selective and I do want to be uh, truthful while also you know they didn't volunteer to have all their stuff known but I don't know there's I think that there's a lot of danger in us just keeping quiet about a lot of things I mean we're talking a lot about family right now I agree. but it goes the same with all the racist stuff yep. that's happening like keeping quiet about a lot of these very truthfully like painful experiences is holding us back from like doing this healing from like it and it's like we said earlier it's fucking uncomfortable it's not like a walk through the park to say these horrible yucky feelings to relive it that's like reliving trauma right like it's not easy it's not fun but there's there's a benefit that comes to it i think when it's done with good intentions and like thoughtfully and there's damage that can be done when you don't say it right like when you just keep it a secret and you keep it inside and you try to shove it down like it doesn't exist I don't know. Yeah, exactly. We just got to, we got to have more conversations and we got to like share our stories, you know, like we got to like have more, as my friend Jerry would like to say, he's a professor of race and ethics and, you know, he, as I like to quote him, like, we got to have more conversations about the conversation, (laughs) you know, we just got to like keep having more conversations about the conversation. Yeah. Some, I love you know, it. Think, oh, um, I, I, I knew it. I called it at the top. I said, I think I'm going to come out of this conversation feeling a little bit more healed. And I do. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I love that. I love that. Well, I know we should probably wrap it up because I know I got to get to a thing too. But damn, yeah, yeah, I yeah. feel like we well, could just keep going. Mindy. We're, we might, we'll have to do this again could. for sure. We will. We will. Are, do you have any like last words of wisdom or like, a, you know a cheer that you want to give out to the to the universe anybody tuning in i mean i think like just based on everything that we we talked about and just kind of the vibe of our conversations like yo like if anybody resonates with the things that we talked about and and you know maybe you felt like oh shit like i never thought about it that way or like you know we're talking about like you know awakening and doing the work and you know like stepping out of the triangle and like whatever that is like i feel like what we talked about was like doing the work right and we talked about healing 
I feel like the last word of wisdom that I would just say is start sooner than later. Like just, just if, if it already resonates mm. with you, just don't wait, don't wait, don't wait. Like the sooner, the better mm. for so many reasons, for the quality of your life, for the abundance that you already are naturally tapped into for the quality of your relationships, for your peace and sanity and your mm -hmm. happiness. Like don't wait. Like there is no better thing that you can do with your time, your money, your energy than to invest in yourself, to do your healing work, to start doing the inner work and just start moving through your shit. Cause everybody's got stuff. Everybody has wounds to heal. Everybody's got a story yeah. to share. Like every single buddy, there's not, not a single person. Like, I don't care how perfect and charmed your life was. I don't care how like traumatizing your upbringing is. Like we all got work to do. And as a matter of fact, doing the work is what's going to change the world. Like the reason why, oh my God, I'm about to get into a whole nother yeah. tangent, but like the reason why there is so much world <laughs> suffering on every level is because we're not doing the work. I mean, I, I, that's a very like simplification kind of blanket statement to say, but like, you know, like if you care about like making change, making impact, taking yourself to the next level, like whatever it is, like stepping into your potential, ju just start now and don't wait. Just, just get after it. Like start doing yeah. the work. It's like worth, worth, it's worth all of your time, your energy, your money, like it will, it will, um, there's, there's no bad thing that can come out of, you know, starting to look within and, and starting to take care of yourself and start doing that healing work. So go get it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Wise, wise words. And I'll say, don't, don't, uh, don't also think that, uh, that you have to do something big either. I think like the work starts even with small things. Like exactly. it's like, for me, it's like fitness unit. We both kind of mentioned the physical thing, go for a walk. Yep. Like literally exactly. it's, it's the work can be whatever it means to a person. I think that's so beautifully put. Don't wait. And, um, I love it. Yeah. Thank you so much for spending this hour with me and, and helping me heal and talking about this. Cause I think we're hopefully <laughs> going to inspire more conversations. I think this will, this is my, my intention and my wish that it'll spark more conversations out there in everyone's personal lives to like, to get where they need to be to like, Likewise. to heal a lot of pain. So yeah. All right. Well, um, yeah, sidebar, where can people yes. find your stuff? Where can they, where can they find and follow you and, uh, know your work and like talk with you? I mean, I am so available on so many levels, maybe to a fault, but <laughs> <laughs> like you can, <laughs> like you can literally DM me, message me, friend request me. Like it's all good. Like open door policy, like unless you're a serial killer, do not holler, but, um, no, don't you know, you please jump on my website. <laughs> meetlillianso.com find me on instagram at meetlillianso send me a friend request lillianso um uh let's see what else like i you know i've got free resources there's so many ways you know that you can connect with me shoot me an email lillian at meetlillianso.com if you shoot me a dm on instagram like i will 100 holler back no assistance no bots it's just me so you know reach out like i'm here for you i'm always down to start a conversation as long as you make the first move because i don't know you're out there awesome i love it okay well have an amazing rest of your your day and we'll definitely talk again because we got a lot more to talk about <laughs> for sure for sure thanks minji Ooh. 
Thanks for tuning in for this week's episode of First of All. And thank you to Lillian So for being such an incredible guest and sharing her work and her life and her spirit with us. It was so amazing. Um, be sure to follow her at Meet Lillian So. You can check out her work at meetlillianso.com if you want to work with her. Just investigate and connect um, on all the things that she covered and so many things that she didn't. Because we just kind of got, again, tip of the iceberg in this episode, but there will be more. So stay tuned for that. And if you enjoyed, first of all, please subscribe and follow. You can find, first of all, on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and everywhere else you find podcasts. Please do leave me a five star review and feel free to share it with a friend if you th- think that it could be beneficial for them to listen to the conversation too really appreciate it and thank you and love to my patreon patrons i love you guys thank you for supporting me for supporting this channel and if you'd like to support the first of all podcast you can go to patreon.com slash first of all podcast to become a patron and financial supporter of the the content and uh, the other ways that you can support my podcast you can go to firstofallpod.com and find links to like paypal amazon wishlist anything if you're feeling generous i will gratefully receive it and i appreciate any and all support i really do and you can follow first of all on instagram at first of all pod you can follow my personal page at minjeezy you can email me at first of all pod at gmail.com and i'd love to hear feedback i I seriously live for these dms and reviews and emails it it really warms my heart it gives me a lot of joy in life so just thank you for anyone who takes the time um and shout out to ami i think it's how you say it ami Amy, Ami, but uh, from Japan, who sent me an incredible email and um, shared her her connection with first of all, and it just blew my mind of how much it's it's resonating with people around the world. It's just mind boggling. So thank you, Ami. I love you, and sending you tons of hugs. Um, thank you to Marvin Yue, my audio engineer and producer. Thank you to Juliana for helping me build out. Um, first of all as a channel and shout out to the potluck podcast collective which is a collective of asian american podcasters and storytellers i love you uzuhan thank you for use of your song uzutra for the intro and here is the outro song by the amazing jennifer chung ifyis i forgive you i'm sorry that's it for me this week take care of yourselves guys and i'll talk to you soon bye Hi, I'm Marvin. And I'm Rira. We're the host of Books and Boba, a book club and podcast dedicated to books by Asian and Asian American authors. Every month we pick a book by an Asian author to read and discuss on the show. We read a wide variety of genres from contemporary to historical fiction, fantasy to memoirs, and crime thrillers to romance. Some of our past book club picks are Pachinko by Min Jin Lee, Sorcerer to the Crown by Zen Cho, and Devotion of Suspect X by Keigo Higashino. We also go over what's new in the Asian American literary world and chat with some talented Asian authors about their work. So whether you want to start reading for fun again or diversify your TBR list, we got your Asian literature cravings covered. For more info, check out our website at booksandboba.com. You can listen to us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and wherever you find your podcasts. Part of the Potluck Podcast Collective.
Thanks for tuning in for this week's episode of First of All with Yoshi Sudarso. Congratulations again, Yoshi and Sarah, for your bundle of joy. We're so excited, and we know that baby's going to be an active one and, you know, an upcoming Power Ranger at some point in the in the future when they're doing its 50th remake, but we'll enjoy and cheer on nonetheless. But I hope that you enjoyed that. Um, hope you're inspired, feeling all the feelings. You know, same as me, reevaluating what's important in life. Because um, it is a crazy time, but love is everything. Love is our motivating factor. It's what makes us so fulfilled. And it's just nice to hear these stories. So thank you again to Yoshi for sharing his story. And thank you to Marvin Yue, my audio engineer and producer. Thank you to Uzu Trap. Uzu Trap. Thank you to Uzu Han for use of his song, Uzu Trap, for the intro and the outro. I love both of you guys. You're wonderful. And I'm a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective. I'm just not even speaking well anymore. I'm a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective, which is a collective of Asian American podcasters and storytellers. And if you'd like to support me and my podcast, help keep the microphone on, I got to do a big shout out to my Patreon family. You can become a supporter of my Patreon at patreon.com slash first of all podcast. You can also go to my link tree in my Instagram at first of all pod and dealer's choice. Like figure out uh, if and how you'd like to support. You can, I got my donation link. I got my um, Amazon wish list, all that stuff. If you're feeling generous, I will receive your generosity with all the gratitude in my heart. Regardless, I'm just Glad to have this community. I'm glad to have listeners who enjoy this and an outlet for all my crazy thoughts and feelings. So thank you for tuning in. And if you enjoy this podcast and want to share with a friend, feel free to do so. You can find, first of all, podcasts on all the major platforms, everywhere you find podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Radio Public, and everywhere, again, you can find podcasts. You can find me. And then if you'd like to follow my personal page you can go to at minjeezy you can email me at first of all pod at gmail.com but i think we've had enough talking for today i love you all so much stay safe stay healthy stay sane and stay loving i'll talk to you all soon Mwah! bye Hey. Me and me and. Hey, my dad. I'm tired of it, treated. No, no. All that warmth, warmth, warmth sounds to me so nauseous. Boy, you played yourself with your nonsense. Hey, I, I don't know what you're saying, though. Say what? But I, I don't know what you're saying, though. Say what? But I, all that warmth, warmth, warmth sounds to me so obnoxious. You played yourself with your nonsense. I I don't know what you're saying, though. Mm, don't you know? Yeah, came in '88 with a dream, also oh bright eyed. They knew right away, sick of swim, there's no lifelines. Cutting their teeth on the move, nobody's filling these shoes. Balling on a budget, had to go to Narja, super size number two. Cash, way that the world ain't budging. Gotta make a power move, deep in the darkest dungeons. I'm digging up my own room. Hey, hey, hands on the plow. Keep my head down, keep my head down. Sweat on my brow, sweat on my brow. Don't make a sound, pay my dues now. This is the pride of a man. Stepping the ground, I'm counting my blessings Aggressively pushing the boundaries off of my family, family. Into this land, Into this land. I dream in my hand, dream in my hand. Yeah.
All of that changed when life decided to switch on my plans. Yeah, tell me now, how did we get so low? Yeah, tell me now, how did we get so bruised? Yeah, tell me now, how could they be so rude? Swear I'ma lose my cool, I won't be made as a fool now. Me and me and me and me and me I'm tired of it treating. Don't retreat it. All that womp 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 sounds to me so obnoxious. I keep it trilly. Some of you sounded real silly. Yeah. All of you, hoo, hi. Got me like, really? I'm guessing it's my mistake for thinking that people can do better. Do better. Knew better? You better chill. I refuse to be your jet. I refuse to be your jaggy check. Keep on yapping off like that. Keep on yapping all that jazz. A man can only take so much when you keep on stopping jumping on his back. I'm not a ninja. Shing. Hey, I don't do kung fu. But if you're pushing me over the edge, might see these knuckles do some crouching, tiger, hidden dragon. Get you feeling like a ladder. <laughs> Introduce you to a whole new world. Go ahead and see what happens, but I'm not the violent Hey, I'm Phil Yu, and you may know me from a blog called Angry Asian Man. And I'm Jeff Yang, author, journalist, and celebrity dad. We host a podcast called They Call Us Bruce, an unfiltered conversation about what's happening in Asian America. Each week or so, we host a discussion about some of the most vital and interesting topics in our pop culture and our community, bringing in guests who are shaping and informing this thing called Asian America from Hollywood to D.C. and beyond. Uh, we got media, entertainment, food, family, politics, representation, the good, the bad, the WTF of it all. So check us out wherever you get your podcasts or at theycallsbruce.com. Peace. Peace.